Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Up and Down Under podcast, an NBA podcast brought to you by three very average basketballers from Australia. I'm your host, Curtis, and joining me as always is our Raptors aficionado, James. How are we doing, everyone? And our certified Nick Young, aka Swaggy P stand, Joey. Oh, what's up? Um, we just want to kick off this episode by saying a very big thank you to everyone who's um, been tuning in. You know, reaching episode 10 is a pretty big milestone for us. Um, and, you know, we're just loving it and we're having a great time. So, yeah. You guys have anything else to say on that one? No, I just appreciate appreciate all the love. Um, cheers for coming on the journey with us and uh, more to come. Let's go, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're just looking to kick on to even bigger and better things as we go along. Um, so, this week... We've got our Trevor Rees game being hosted by James. So do you want to take that away for us? Certainly. I've tried to steer away from uh, position on draft and year of draft just because Curtis is a bit of a sniper when it comes to that. So <laughs> to keep it somewhat uh, interesting or fair, we've, I've, I've sort of, I've, I've, I've got them in there, but there'll be later clues if we get stuck. So to kick it off, um, the first player is, uh, Nicknames, according to Basketball Reference, are the Wide U and the Oak Tree. I probably won't give it away yet, but it's out there in case you know. Um, buzz in at any time if you do know. They're, they were uh, six foot seven. They weighed in their prime 111 kilograms. They Ooh, won. Can you, can, you, can you give us pounds? <laughs> I can give you pounds. I mean, I didn't do pounds just because like. I know that's what we read on the sheets, but like obviously we're Australian, so we don't use it. Uh, no, that's true, pounds. but it's more that like I have no relative comparison because like as night for example, I know like Kobe was like around two hundred and like five pounds or like two hundred and ten or something. Like as in like, but yeah, I don't yeah, know how, no, I how many yep. kilos that is. Uh, so if you don't have it, don't worry. Two hundred forty-five pounds. Oh, so okay. he's a chunky fella. Okay, he's a chunky boy. Um, so he was a center despite being six foot seven. Buzz. Charles Oakley? No. Good Damn. guess. This next <laughs> one might give it away, though. He won MVP. Uh, Buzz. In, yep. Charles Barkley? No. Did Joey just say that? Oh, wait. Sorry. Yeah, no, I did, I did mean Charles Barkley. Oh, he said Charles, Charles Oakley. Barkley. He said Charles no, Oakley. Not Barkley or Oakley. Sorry, I mean, oh, okay. Barkley. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, no, I heard Oakley. Yeah, no, that's because I just... No, he, said, he said Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> no... So this player won MVP in the 1968 and 1969 season, Ooh. but he, he also won Rookie of the Year in the same season. What Who the hell is this? Okay, um, if you haven't got it by now, you might be in trouble. Technically only <laughs> yeah. played one um, franchise his entire career, but, but three different teams. So the name changed a couple of times. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Washington, Washington franchise. He played when they were the... Oh. Um, um, Baltimore Bullets, buzz, and they were the buzz, yep. buzz. Wes Unseld. Correct. Okay, yeah. Yes, you got it. His, his name was the Oak Tree, was it? Apparently, that was his nickname. To be fair, <laughs> surely that was a giveaway for Charles Oakley. It would have had to be Charles Oakley. <laughs> yeah, I didn't throw you in there just to throw Stick you off. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, I think he might be the only player to ever do that, to be honest. I didn't say that just in case that wasn't correct, but um, oh, as in pretty rookie to win rookie and, and MVP. MVP. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, huge. Unheard of. Um, okay, moving right along. So that's one to curse. Uh the next player, much more recent, um, six foot seven shooting guard, uh, who weighs two hundred and ten pounds. Um 
tra- normally wore Nike shoes. Um, not a big name necessarily, but but was a Nike person. Known for defense, but and also incredible air balls. Um, his best season was in 2016-2017, where he was a member of the all-defensive team. He dated Rachel Demeter, who is the previous two-head team. Oh, Andre Roberson. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Correct. See, if I, I reckon if I'd given the draft year and um, team, because would happen honestly, honestly, the Rachel Demeter really just, I just knew that off the, off yeah, the, off the rip. <laughs> okay, one all. Tied up. Okay, the next player, um, somewhat, <laughs> definitely more recent compared to, to Wes Unseld. Um, this player was a member of the 2006-2007 All-Rookie team. Uh, they were a member of the 2014 World Cup, FIBA World Cup team um, that won gold for USA. So they're, they're from America. What was that 2016, you said? No, 2014 World Cup, not Olympics. Oh, okay. So World Cup, right. yeah, um, sure. which traditionally features lesser known stars but still um that team was actually stacked he's had surgery on his eyes to fix his vision um which kind of didn't really impact his shooting thought it would at the time uh if you've I've played a buzz, buzz here yeah. i'm just gonna take a shot in the dark andre godala no it is not ah, okay yeah. keep it rolling though oh wait uh, no joey gets a guess joey gets a guess if he wants one um i'll pass okay all right yeah is that have we had that rule every week? <laughs> well, I think we technically have, but it's just never been taken advantage of. Well, <laughs> there we go. Um, if you played 2K around like late 2000s, early 2010, so sort of like PS late PS3 era or sort of prime PS3 Xbox 360 era, this man was an absolute god at everything. Uh, like played better than LeBron sometimes. And to this day, his jump shot base is continually used for my players on both current and next gen. Um, he can play a few positions, most notably small forward and power forward. Sorry, how tall is he? Um, I'm, get, I'm about to get to that. He's six foot eight and uh, 250 pounds. Uh, over his career, he's had some absolutely huge dunks. Um, can, we hear, can we hear a single team? We can. <laughs> Uh, that's the next two. So he has played for in order. Memphis. So that's when he was an order team. Yep. Is it Rudy Gay? It is Rudy Gay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, well done. Um I thought you'd get it at the two K. Those are some good two clues. No, no, as soon as you said the two K clue, I did think Rudy Gay instantly, but I was waiting yeah, was, for something to back it up. On those two Ks. Like yeah. so good. I'm definitely um, more difficult. This is it's killing me. It's killing me. You're doing well. You're doing really, really um, well. Okay. Much more prepared than I was last time, which is which is which is working out. So we're we're two two and one now to Joey. So yeah. next player. Uh, relatively short career in the league compared to um I guess the average player. Actually, no, that's probably not a good stat. Relatively short career, only six six years played. Um occasionally rocked the goggles when he was playing or the glasses. I took a break from basketball after the 2015 season due to anxiety and depression. In his time away from basketball, he created an artist collective clothing line and non-profit organization named Citizen of Matter. He is six foot 11. Uh, yes. This is Larry Sanders. It is Larry Sanders. The goggles. Good <laughs> yep. Good stuff, Joey. Nice. 
that so that's is that three one? That's three one now. It is three one. Yeah. I'm liking these clues. I feel like Urs would know if I just said the draft. Uh, the next clue was going to be he played five years um, with the Bucks and then a single year with the Cavs. Uh, okay, moving moving along to the last player. So this player, um, another another retired player, so a bit older. Uh, incredible in-game dunker for his size and also a great shooter. Uh, nicknamed the Boy Wonder, according to Basketball Reference, was on the all-rookie team in 1988 to 1989 season. He is, this clue may give it away. I know you guys are both on Twitter. He's now a Twitter personality with a massive following who reposts funny and wholesome clips and is probably best known for his series of tweets with the caption, block or charge, with the following video. Is that uh, Buzz? Yep. Um, is that Rex Chapman? It is Rex Chapman. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well done. Uh, <laughs> no, that was, that, was, that was very interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah, a bit of a spin on the Trevor Reza game, oh, moving like away from the, from the teams and the draft picks. So if I you enjoyed like... playing along at home, as well as with, with uh, Joey and Curtis, please let us know. Thanks for that, James. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah, no, that was, that was a really good selection of players and really good clues. Cheers. Glad you enjoyed it. I guess we've got a little fun announcement to make. Um, if anyone, you know, would like to take part in the Trevor Reza game, whether that's, you know, as a host, you know, pick five players or to come on as a contestant, send us a send us a message and you know, we'll we'll see how we go. And yeah, we'll head to a quick break. Okay, for our first team of the Northwest Division, we're gonna kick it off with the Portland Trailblazers. For me personally, I've them ranked as the eighth best team in the West. Uh, in between the LA Clippers at seven and Memphis Grizzlies at nine. But in terms of the regular season, I think they'll finish around the sixth seed. In terms of who they brought in, they brought in Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben McLemore, and Quinn Cook. And they've lost Carmelo Anthony, Rodney Hood, Ennis Cantor, and Derek Jones Jr. And another important thing to note is that they brought in Chauncey Billups um, into a new head coaching position, his first. Um, and, you know, it will be really interesting to see if he can have, you know, a, a strong impact on the locker room, kind of reinvigorate a squad that's pretty much stayed stagnant for the last, you know, three, four, five years and see if you can breathe new life into that. Um, Joey, what do you think of the Blazers? Yeah, so I actually have the Blazers finishing um, fifth in the regular season. I'm pretty high on them. I'm not I'm not sure if you guys think they'll be that good, but um, I actually like what they have. I like their additions of um, Larry Nance in particular. Um, also, looking back on last year, CJ McCollum was playing at a all-star level before his injury, and I think... That that if he comes back into this season, um, playing to that level again, I, I don't see why they can't be a really good team again. Um, also, the I think it's, yeah, it's only the second season with the team, but Norman Powell, um, I think can provide that third scoring option which they've been lacking a bit. Um, okay. I'm sure James can attest to Norman Powell being a bucket getter, <laughs> and he's 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 an efficient bucket getter as well. Um, I'm not sure if they start him with CJ and Dame. There'd be a pretty small um, backcourt, but we'll have to see. What do you What do you think of um, Norman Powell in particular, James? Big Norm fan. Um, he always steps it up in the playoffs, um, and he's just come into his own in the last few years, knowing what he can is capable of doing, and then not because he used to sort of sometimes over dribble or drive into packs where he'd have nowhere to go. But he's really figured out like when to go, when to not go, and um, when to make the right read. So he'll be he'll be um, good now that he's going to have a full offseason with them as well. Uh, I think that um, I kind of look at, even though they've changed their roster quite a bit, the Blazers, um, shuffling, I guess, the 
the background sort of players. I still look at this team and like, again, another Raptors analogy. I just look at them as like the Lowry and DeRozan Raptors of the West, where it's like, you've always got Lillard and McCollum. And we've, we just sort of seen that no matter who's around them, they seem to sort of cap out at late second round mm. conference final sort of, like that just seems to be where they sit. And like, I'm not saying that, you know, let's bring in Kawhi and, and go for it. But like, I just think I've, I feel like we've seen this, this, this series before, like this show before. And that I think like, I've got them fifth in to, to finish. So fifth seed. Um, Cause I just back that their formula works in the regular season. You know, Nurkic is really reliable. Um, and the guys that they've brought in like Barry Nance and um, the players to sort of come off the bench and give them a bit more punch. But I just think that at the end of the day, their starting five is going to be like, isn't better than the other starting fives they've rolled out. And that's, what's going to really matter when it comes to crunch time again. What are your yeah. thoughts, Curtis? No, I completely agree with that there. Cause like, I think the problem with the Blazers is it really feels like this team has kind of hit its ceiling. Like that Western conference finals appearance against the Warriors, like that really felt like that was the best they could do. Um, even though they, yeah, they certainly have like plenty of talent. You know, like we know what Dame offers. He's like an all time great perimeter shooter off the dribble from like, you know, distances that haven't really been met except for like by Steph um, off the dribble. And, um, you know, as a creator, he's gotten much better at making reads out of double teams, especially after that um, New Orleans Pelican series where Drew Holiday like locked him up. Um, he's like, yeah, he's improved his all around game a lot, I guess, besides his defense, which, you know, when he's locked in, he can be a decent defender, but he's, you know, he's never going to be a Drew Holiday. That's never mm-hmm. going to be in his locker. Um, but I guess that's the thing. Like, even if CJ comes back and he's an all-star level player, like, we still kind of know it's heartbreaking, but we still kind of know they're not going to get beyond, like, the second round, really. So it's like, do they do something about that? Do they deal CJ for someone? Um, they have and, to take a gamble, I think, to get to get to that next level. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, and and it's so hard to see what that could be. Because, like, it's it's easy to run it back when you know that, that it works. But if the goal is to win a championship, like, unless How everyone... How do they get to that next level? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can't get there with this core. I think, And I think that's yeah. that you can shuffle the background casters around as much as you want. But, you know... They're, yeah. they're, like, one of those teams that, like, you want to see them do. Well, I personally want to see them do really well. But it's just, like, yeah, you can see that there's probably, like, only so far they can go with this roster. Yeah. Like, because especially last year, they came in and, you know, um, after their offseason, everyone was really hyping them up. They're like, oh, they brought in, like, Robert Covington. And, like, it was all these, like, little pieces on the fringes that, like, like, nothing against Robert Covington. I think he's a very good player. But he's not, you know, he's not a needle mover in terms of being, like, from having that roster. And then, you know, you add Robert Covington and now they're title contenders. Like, he's a very good player, but he's not, like, that level either. Um, So I really like that parallel with the Raptors because I do think maybe CJ is that DeRozan piece. But... I think CJ has a little bit less value than DeRozan did at that time, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, could they, like, would bringing Ben Simmons in be that, um, that like, they've got to try something. Not the quiet piece. Yeah, they've got to do exactly They've got to try I, something. Because I think their GM was was quoted saying that, like, it's a contending team and we're healthy and all sort of stuff. And it's like, it's just not. Like, it kind of is. They're not, it's not a bad team. And, it, when you want to sell tickets and you want to like fill the stadium and you want to promote your team, you want them to be winners. Like they, they're still going to win a lot of regular season games, but if the goal is to win a championship, they're not, they're not there without doing something drastic really at this point. Yeah. I've got a question for you guys. What do you think is their best five? Right. Cause I've got two versions of this, like a small ball version and like I guess mm. a big man version, including Nurk. Like for me, it's 
Dame at the point, CJ, um, Norm Powell at the three, Rocco at the four, and then Larry Nance at the five. I think that's a pretty decent small ball lineup in terms of like, um, I guess the thing with Nurkic, right, is he's, he's a good player, he's a good rebounder, but he's not a particularly um, agile defender by any stretch of the imagination. Like besides that rim protection, he doesn't offer too much um, on the defensive end. And like Nance is, he like I think we've spoken about this already on this podcast in previous episodes, but like Larry Nance offers a lot as a very versatile big man, a switchable big man who's very skilled on the defensive end, who has, um, you know, a bit of a passing repertoire that probably goes a bit underrated um, and unspoken about and is a decent shooter. His form looks a little bit funky, but he makes shots. So he's kind of like the perfect glue guy slash small ball five that you might want to have it just like see how it goes. Um, but what do you guys reckon? James, um, the best five. Uh, I think, that you should start at least with Nurk. Um, and then maybe they'll close with the Nance lineup. I think that like either of those two is the best. But it's kind of like, and I know with this has been a theme, but I can't, I, I need to see them play. Because I think like Nurkic, when I've changed in the Blazers, actually seemed, you know, quite versatile given who they're playing. It just mm. seems that yeah, he, he gives it up um, on defense, um, which is a big thing when you're playing in the West and there's a lot of um, quick bigs. So... I think, yeah, I think that the lineup with Nance is the lineup they should close with because um, it just more, gives them a bit more switchability and then look to run a bit more through the guards, which is a bit more unpredictable rather than just dumping into the post. Uh, but I think they've kind of got to start Nurkic, really. So, yeah. Joey? So I think can't really be yeah, really I'm kind of on... I, I like your starting five there, Curtis, but I would probably put Nurkic in still. I know that's like yeah. a small ball lineup that you listed there, but... Yeah, yeah. I think they would get absolutely killed defensively with that small, like, especially with the backcourt. Um, oh, but, I mean, you're starting that backcourt anyway. Well, I mean, with, sorry, with, like, Norm as well, though. Oh, That's, okay. That's, like, three no, guards yeah. under, like, what, six, six, four, six, or yeah, I don't know how tall enough Norm is. Norm, pretty, six, four. Yeah. Yeah. So, three so guys you guys would run with, like, a Dane, CJ, Rocco, Nance, Nurk? No, I would I would go the, the Dame, CJ, Norm, Covington, and then Nurk. But then isn't that the exact same issue, though, in terms of guiding the perimeter? Because I guess that's something else I want to actually get to as well. But, like, I think in terms of them improving on defense, it's very similar to what we spoke about with the Pelicans, where, like, um, like you know, we wanted Ingram and Zion to kind of, like, lift and, like, set the tone, set the standard. I think, like, we have to have Dame kind of establish that from very early on, where he, him and him and CJ are, like, setting the tone defensively, even though, like, you know, you know that we know they're a bit limited on that end, like, physically and et cetera. But I think they need to set the tone there as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess isn't that the same issue though? Having yeah, I guess so. It's just I was thinking more like just Nurk would be. I don't know if he's a better defender than Larry Nance, but I think Nance is a better defender personally, in my opinion. Um, but but then the thing is right if you have all this like you know leakage on the perimeter in terms of you can't contain on the perimeter, then if you have Nurk there, then he can hopefully kind of mop up the mess a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's I guess an idea to have. It's also like the fact that we can talk about this means that they're upgraded in a sense that they're going to have mm. the option to be able to do that rather yeah. than knowing that they have to run a set five. So it could be, it will be very dependent on who they're playing, but it's, it's a good question because I just, I don't know if I can see Nurk coming off the bench or wanting to come off the bench. Whereas Nance seems oh, to be someone that. Sorry, no, no. Yeah. I guess the thing is he's probably going to start, but it's more yeah, just so be closing. Like a closing five. Yeah. Or their best. Yeah. Like yeah. The most productive, I guess. Still be very disrespectful to him because I think he'd take that personally. But then yeah. hopefully, that, you know, it's one of those things where you take it personally and you lift your own game so you can prove to Chancellorville it's like, no, I should be 
closing games. Like, mm. that's, and maybe that's something they that. need to do to get to the next level. Maybe they yeah. need to tweak with those lineups to see if that can get them to another gear that they're missing. Yeah. Um, before we get to players to add, I just want to have one more little mention of Anthony Simons. I know Joey and myself have, big, <laughs> have previously been big fans of this individual. Been hoping that he'd pop off for a while. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a bit of a make or break year for him, isn't it? What do you reckon, Joey? Yeah, I guess he's shown like that he can be a scorer, but not much else so far in his career. It's it's weird because he's exactly the same kind of yeah, mold yeah. of player as the other two, like Lillard and McCollum. It's very they're very similar in, in not sorry, not very similar, but they're you know similarities. But if Dame got traded, like that would be like huge for him. But <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember um, when um when we we were doing a fantasy draft. I think it was when was he drafted? Was it like it was two years three years ago now, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, two or three oh, years ago. So this was two years ago, yeah. and me and Joey were, like, yeah, talking. The draft, like, as, yeah, as the draft, Because we were doing a draft in person, and we're basically like, oh, I told him, like, oh, I'm going to take my um, my sleeper pick soon because I think he's going to go off the board. And Joey's like, yeah, I think so as well. And we had the exact same person, and it was both, we both wanted to get Anthony Simons. And then Joey took him, like, a round before me, and I was fuming until he started playing and was shit. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, and then I had to drop him. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, these guys are so tapped in. They know so much more than me, and it was just bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Anthony Simons. Overanalyzing. Um, okay, players to add. Players to add. Um, for me, it's either a two-way forward. So I've got listed here Jeremy Grant because I think he's someone like if the Pistons like surely he's someone you can pry from the Pistons. Like they're not going for anything right now. Like he's a good player that should be trying to actually win games, um, or a Nurkic improvement, um, which I've got a very unrealistic option here. But I would love to see like a Jokic feeding Lillard and McCollum on on cuts and dribble handoffs and all that sorts of thing. I think that'd be fantastic. But like, obviously, like, you know, um, someone who can improve on what Nurkic offers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm similar mindset. I had um, Jeremy Grant as well, or like an Aaron Gordon, sort of a switchable four um, that can play a bit of defense, score, and just gives him a bit more size in those lineups that we're talking about. Um, and then you could even have the option of bringing Norm off the bench as a, as a scorer, because it's sort of what he did for us um, for a few years. Uh, and but then in an unrealistic sense, I've got like Kawhi or Paul George, just because to compete in the West, you've got to have uh, a yeah. two-way wing. Like that's just how you get there, um, and that's that's what they're missing. Like if you can turn McCollum into a six-nine two-way wing, like it's a different team. You know, it's as, as sad as it is to say, you've got to have a good wing in this day and age to win. So yeah, yeah. Um, my play to add is just a pure stretch for anti-defense. Really, uh, Davis Bertans. <laughs> Absolute flamethrower. Um, just, I don't know. They don't really have like a knockdown stretch, stretch big, do they? No, they've mm. got Patrick Patterson this offseason, but he's not knocked oh, down. God. He's knocked down, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look. flashbacks of that man bricking shots in the playoffs when we needed it. Like, uh. <laughs> number 54. All right. Ceiling and basement. Ceiling, I have them, you know, exiting in the second round. I think it's very feasible that this team can win in a first-round series. Um, like, we saw, like, the last few years, they're very competitive regardless. Like, once you have Dame on your team, like, you have a shot at anything, except for the title, I guess, unfortunately. And on the other end of things, they could end up trading Dame if things go poorly or even end up just, you know, losing a playing game and missing out entirely if things go really poorly. What about you guys? Uh, um, yeah, ceiling, I have them. Um, conference finals, I think if Dame gets hot, like, anything can happen. If they go on one, another one of those, like, Dream runs, but I don't think they, they definitely won't get past conference finals, I don't think, with the roster right now. Floor, I have them eighth seed, maybe just like sneaking into first round and then exiting out there. 
I think they're a playoff playoff team still. Yeah. Yeah, I'm echoing that. Like they'd be disappointed with anything that's not playoffs. I said that the ceiling would be competitive second round exit. I think the West has gotten too good that even if it's the same core or they're arguably better than that 2019 team, the West is so much better than it was back then. So I think that they won't. Like I can't see them going past the second round. And then I've got the floor would be losing first round, so the late late um, seventh or eighth seed. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, let's move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I have them ranked as the 13th best team in the West. I guess down the bottom, as expected, unfortunately, uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves above them at 12 and the Houston Rockets below them at 14. I will actually mention that I have amended that since our Houston um, episode where I had, I think, Houston a little bit higher, but I've kind of come back around. They've brought in Josh Giddy, Derek Favors, and lost Al Horford and Moses Brown. James, what do you think of the OKC Thunder? I think that they'll... I've actually got them on my sort of regular season seeding. I got them at 15th. I think that I don't necessarily think this team is the worst team. I just think that Presti really wants them to lose. So I think they could be similar to the Rockets where they have really fun moments. You know, Giddy seems to have a lot of confidence already, which lines up with what uh, Mike said when he came on our show. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please go and check out uh, episode two episode for two. insight on um, uh, what Giddy's bringing to the table this year. But I think, yeah, I think that it's a young team. It's a fun team. They'll get out and run. They've got a bit of defense. Um, I think SGA will put on a show again, but I also think that he might get pretty annoyed if they're continually resting players like they were last year or they're not really letting the team grow because he signed a massive extension this offseason. And it's his team, really, at this point. Um, And if he can't sort of start to put together the chemistry or at least see who he wants to stay in the future and Presti's telling people to rest or all that sort of stuff, I think that he'll be quite frustrated and they could end up losing their sort of centerpiece. But I do think that this team's, the, the front office wants OKC to lose again. Um, so I think that, yeah, they're still going to be pretty bad, really. Any chance you want that to happen, James? You know, SGA, a Canadian fella. If could, they could turn up the Raptors, annoyed, I don't know. And he wants to come home, I won't be opposed. That's okay. <laughs> but that, no, they're like, of course, if that, if that happens for Raptors fans, best case scenario, but like, yeah, I, there's not a lot of talent there. Like, even in some of the highlights with Giddy, he was throwing some fantastic passes. But the people he's throwing them to couldn't finish the shots. And, like, I think Mike mentioned that that he's, he's, he, that might be the issue. He might actually might actually take us a while to see just how good Giddy is because he needs people to finish off his passes. So, because he was finding people in the right spots throwing cross-court sling passes like pocket dimes and people just like blowing layups and smoking three. So yeah, that's my opinion. I guess it'd be interesting because I know there's like a stat, I'm pretty sure like for expected assists or like, you know, approximate assists, like as in, in terms of the chance of someone finishing off the, the, you know, the shot that you create off your assist. I wonder if he has, you know, a crazy, like he could average like 15 assists, but it's only ends up being like six because people don't make their shots. Yeah. Like, that'd be really interesting to see. Yeah. There was that one pass um, from his preseason game, and it was just like he whipped it with his left hand to the corner, and that was mm-hmm. so, like, it's just like the poison maturity and just, like, the the confidence at 18, 19, or, yeah, 18, 19, however old he is now, like, ridiculous. It's just insane. That pass was crazy, man. Offhand, bang. Straight to yeah. the corner. Misses the shot, gets the offensive board, and won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I think he, he could average, you know, five, six rebounds a game this year. Because they're going to give him room to run, I think, and to, yeah. to play his own game. What's the point? Like, why would you draft him otherwise? And he also was able to guard forwards, I think. I think that's probably the game plan for him going forward, is that, you know, you have SGA and Dort 
guarding the guards and Giddy can guard like six, nine forwards. Um, like I think he guarded Gordon Hayward quite well on a couple of possessions in the preseason. But once again, it's preseason. But maybe that's where he fits in defensively. Joey, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the Thunder? Um, yeah, so I've actually amended my standings a bit as well. Like you, Curtis, I've put the Rockets down and moved OKC up. I think they're going to be finished 13th or 14th in the regular season. I think it, people are going to realise like throughout this season that Giddy was like an excellent draft pick for them. Like, what a steal, I reckon. And then, yeah, I think the young players are all going to be developing together. Um, no one on this roster, apart from Muscala and Favors, is above 26 years old, so... They're genuinely like super young, and like heaps of their like young um young players are showing like a bit of promise, I guess. And then hopefully, like once everyone develops, they could pull the trigger with all their picks and stuff, and like land another piece, and then move back up. Yeah, is is it a bit of an issue that they don't have enough veteran leaders? Because I'm just thinking from like you know I a general so. perspective, right? Because if you have a bunch of 18 year olds, 19 year olds all hanging out together, I think SGA is a little bit old. He's probably like 22 or something, 23. Actually, he might even be a bit older than that. But, um, you know, if you have a, a team of, you know, 15 guys who are all really young, I think it leaves you vulnerable to having to being a bit more immature, right, and setting poor habits, do you think? I think so. I'd, yeah, I'd like to say the matter a vet, but I don't know. It is what it is at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think they're just trying to stockpile as many young players and, and see who pops off. Yeah, look at look at their roster now. Their their oldest player or their most experienced is Derek Favors, really, and Michael yeah. Scala. Because I think like it's a really good question, Curtis. Because I think a good example of how that has worked is the Grizzlies, because they seem to have decent team culture. But mm. they did have Crowder and yep. um, who am I thinking of Solomon Hill? Yeah, like and Valanciunas. And Valanciunas. And they seem to have somewhat of an impact, like Jar kept referencing after they left how good it was to have Jay Crowder in there and set those habits. Um, I think a, a, an example of where it can go wrong is probably like the Wolves, where they brought mm. Butler in to set the culture and then he clashed with, you know, the younger players. And now those guys, like I think Cat seemed to have his head, head head screwed on properly, but like, you know what, you know, like Wolves don't seem to, this season could be the step in the right direction, but they have seemed to go the other way where they're, they're all young and the culture just seems to be average. So I think if your if your young leader has is doing the right things, like I think it's kinda up to SGA, like they're giving him yeah. the keys to the city and so and seeing whether he can perform. I think it really depends on who your young leader is. You know what I mean? And and what kind of qualities they have. Yeah. But it's a yeah. really good question. And I think it's really important as well. We see this too often where like I guess teams like Philly, you tank so much that you lose those good habits that also come with having bets as well. I guess that's kind of where it goes hand in hand. But, like, I I would actually like to see the Thunder try this year. I know they're not going to because Presti wants those high picks. But, like, last year they were a good team. They were hovering around that 500 mark, um, like, with after, like, 40 games or so. And then they started resting Al Horford. They started resting SGA. They started resting, I don't know, like, Dort even. But <laughs> by the end of the season, they were resting Dort like he was, like, Kawhi Leonard. It was ridiculous. <laughs> And just, just such like, blatant uh, tanking. And yeah. Then Raptors got fine and they didn't. Like, yeah. Still <laughs> Not salty. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, I'd love to see them flirt with a playing tournament, see if they can hop into that 10 seed, that 9 seed, because like they have the talent to. Like, I guess we'll get to this now, but like SGA, like he is a really good young player. He's probably one of the top, I'm just going to put a number out there, like six best young players under like 23, 24, like going around right now. I guess in terms of him, right, like last year he took a real step up in terms of his perimeter shooting, and it would just be cool to see whether he can keep that consistently, um, whether that's something he can actually add to his arsenal. 
and yeah, because if you know if he's someone who can hit pull up jumpers like like it's nothing, then he's a scary prospect to guard because his ability to get to the rim, he's so crafty. So, so crafty. So yeah. smooth. He's got so many tricks in his bag. Like I, yeah, he's such an awesome player to watch. I just want him to get continuous reps against good players because I know he had some genuine injuries last year with his foot, but there was times where they sat him out where he just want to play. And if you're young, you don't want to waste your, you know, like the West is deep, so it probably wouldn't have been realistic last year. But if he's now sitting out when he could be making all-star teams or like, mm. you know, making headlines and all this sort of stuff, I'd be, I'd be furious. Like I want to play, you know? Yeah. And, mm. When he has played, he's been, like you said, Curtis, fantastic. Like he's been improving. It's it's ridiculous to remember how young he actually is. Yeah. So it's it's weird as well because it's like personally for him, it's probably a bit selfish, but no, it's not selfish. But like you you think about your legacy, you think about your resume, you think about you know when can I be an all star? When can I go for an all NBA team? Like and if your team sucks, it makes it so much harder to do those things because he could average like a thirty point triple double, and like even if the Thunder are the worst team in the league, he might not make. You're like it's ridiculous to say out loud, but like there's a chance he only makes like the second team if the team is like that bad because it's like yeah. oh cool you put up all these stats but your team sucks. Um, and you and see how the young kind of, players getting praised and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're jealous. Like, that's just the optics of the league, unfortunately. So I guess the last thing to touch on with SGA is um, his defense, um, which has not been good in the past. I think he's someone that I guess you know part of it is he carries such a strong, such a large offensive role. That when you hit the other side of the floor, he maybe you know takes a little bit easier. It's something you know, I guess we've seen we mentioned before, like with Brandon Ingram as well. Um, but it's one of those things where you know he has the physical tools. We just need to see him lock in a little bit more and you know chase around screens, like fight over, yeah, fight over screens and and get in people's faces and like he can do it. It's just we need to see it. That's all. Um, I think also like maybe the culture of the OKC franchises or the team is like like no one else on the team is really doing that. So what's the point of like him doing that like why would he want to do that if yeah. if other players aren't also doing that no accountability and it gets back to your vets as well mm. all circles back a few players i'd like to touch on darius Baisley and pokashevsky what do we think of those two darius Baisley uh, is a no-go uh, <laughs> no you don't I'm like not, him i'm not a fan of him no i mean i didn't all, realize he shot, he shot less than 40 percent from the field last year i didn't realize he was that right, all he does is just straight drive to the rim and he's athletic but like yeah, he's got the body and the tools. He just hasn't put it together yet, which is like yeah. kind of frustrating. Kind of funny, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only he's 21, like, so yeah, mm. not going to bash him too hard, but it's just funny. yeah, yeah. He's not going to get yeah. better opportunity though. Like if you're not putting it together no. now, like I know he's only young, but like this is the time where you're going to get the chance to make these mistakes. Mm-hmm. So if he's not learning from them, uh, I think I think I, I'm kind of land on a similar path with um, Poku as well, because from what I've seen of him, he seems to make very rash, immature decisions on the floor. Like, he'll, he'll make, like, fancy passes for the sake of it, and it always ends up being a turnover. Or, like, he just looks for the three when he could easily get a two. Or, like, it's, like, weird things that he seems a little bit rash and he overdoes it. He overcooks it a little bit. He, you know, he tries to go a bit too deep in his bag when a simple finish would be smarter. And it just leads to, like, highlight, like, sorry, reverse highlights. Right. Um, I like Pokashevsky. <laughs> no, I think, I, I think, I think he's, he's like a promise. unicorn, man. He's cool. <laughs> no, no. He, as I'm, saying, I'm not saying he's not cool or anything like that. I think he's got certainly a lot of promise, but I think he's just got to clean up his decision making yeah, a little yeah. bit. I think, um, and, and that's the same as, as basically, he'll have the chances now to make those mistakes and learn from them before it's yeah. playoffs, and he can't do that turnover, or he can't, you know, yeah. miss that shot. So, But I think the promise is there with him. He's interesting. He can look like really smooth or really awkward at times, you know? 
Yeah, like definitely, he is a bit of a unicorn, like Joey was saying. Certainly a uh, unique one. Let's move on to players to add. Joey, <laughs> do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so mine's just a bit silly because um, I don't really want to add anyone serious. So I've I've gone with um Carl Kuzma. <laughs> Um, (laughs) set the culture (laughs) the man the man says he can average 20 points and that would be the perfect opportunity for um for him to show that and he also doesn't fit the culture of any defense so i mean i don't care like like his like his fans were saying oh yeah he's like a better much better defender and shit but like no he's still getting cooked (laughs) no to be fair he was last he was better but he's like it's like he made like one stop and everyone's like oh my god he's like such a better defender now i don't want to hear it (laughs) all right (laughs) james what do you reckon i haven't really like got a certain player i'm i'm pretty low on the thunder to be honest i don't know if there is that much talent i've said that there's i'm not sure if they could really add anyone to have a major impact i just think that they need to stop actively tanking because i think that that does create such terrible habits so, yeah, look, I'm like a bit of a boring response for me, but I think they're too far gone at the moment to add a player. They just need to play the players they have and see what they've got. Well, while you're talking about that as well, like I think SGA and, like for example, Jason Tatum are almost the same age or like you know a year apart. And meanwhile, one's gone to like a bunch of Eastern Conference finals and SGA, you know, who's had an Olympic medal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like they're not comparable talents, but like SGA is like not, it wouldn't be like disingenuous to say he's very far off Tatum. I think like as in, in terms of where they could end up and their ceilings and like their potential and that kind of thing. Like they're both very good young players. Um, but meanwhile, yeah, SGA's copped a couple years of really not competing for anything real. And yeah, that would suck for him. I guess, sorry, he, they did have that one year where they went to the playoffs in the bubble, but that was one series as well. So like, I'd like to see more for him. I'd like to see him have a chance. And which is why, in my hypothetical world, I would love to add Zion Williamson to the Thunder. Because I just think, like, because they're young and he's young and, like, it would, on offense anyway, it would fit great. Like, having Giddy and SGAs, like, those on-ball creators and having Zion compliment that on the break, like, oh, God. Like, and he clearly wants to get out of New Orleans anyway. Um, and, oh, who was I listening to? I think it was um, The Real Ones, like, with Raja Bell. And they were saying that, like, if you were to trade Zion right now, like, because, you know, he's, like, a bit mad about being in New Orleans, like, where could he go? And it's like, no contending team would actually try and get Zion right now. Like, it doesn't really make much sense to try and get someone like Zion. So, like, a place like the Thunder would actually be perfect for him. That's what they were saying as well, and I completely agree. Defensively, it would be really interesting because no, none of them play much defense, like, in terms of... It's really SGA. only Dort. <laughs> yeah, Dort is the only defensive player. Yeah. Anyway, the offense would be so much fun that I would sacrifice all that. Ceilings and basements. Ceiling, I have them sneaking into the play-in. Don't know whether they'd win any games in the play-in tournament or not. But, you know, up, well, we'll have to see. And basement, they could be the worst team in the league if Presti goes full tank like he did last year. Joey? Uh, yeah, ceiling, I have them sneaking to the play-in tournament as well. I think that would have to entail, like, Giddy being, like, far better than... Or even just, like, yeah, being a really good rookie. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was going to ask you guys before, um, do you reckon his skill set is similar to, like, Lamelo Ball? Is that a comparison? Yeah. I think I think Lamelo is probably a better scorer at this point in time, and a, like he he Lamelo seemed to clean up his jumper like throughout the season. It looks a lot smoother already. But yeah, they're, like they they both got that like next level passing for like a young guard. They're both tall point guards. I think like Lamelo's handle is like a little bit fancier, but like I don't know if that really matters in terms of like long term. But like yeah, I, I agree. I think they could be on similar parts for sure. Mm. If you if you like write down what they're good at, 
they actually are really similar because I remember they they had pretty similar stats in the NBL as well. But like when you actually watch them play, it's you can see the differences. But well, like, I mean, Giddy's more of a fundamental player than um, yeah, Melo. Yeah. Melo's just like flashy, yeah, but same production. He's well, kind of not a flashy same Josh yeah. Giddy, and that's not to discredit Josh. No, nah, Giddy's, Giddy's flashy. I'd argue, uh, sorry, like his handle isn't flashy, but his passing is like, yeah, yeah really. Yeah, you, yeah, he's very flashy. Like Lamelo's fundamentals are flashy. Like he doesn't do anything yeah. basic, whereas Giddy has those basics, but his passes are mm. so good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, floors well last. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, James? I'm just not high on them at all. <laughs> I think I'm the only one out here. I've got them 13th as the ceiling, and their floor is 15th seed. I just think there's not a lot really outside of like the guys we've talked about, and they're all so young. So yeah, like I don't have a leader really, because like, SGA hasn't really shown he wants to be the leader. Like which isn't hasn't really played enough. So all right, fair enough. I think we're gonna head to a quick break now, and we'll be back with our other teams. For the third team in our division preview, I've got the Utah Jazz here, who I've got listed as the sixth best team in the West. Um, but I think they'll have a third place regular season finish in the Western Conference. In terms of who they brought in, they brought in Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, and Eric Paschal, and they've lost George's Niang. Uh, Joey, what do you think about the Jazz? Yeah, um, I'm pretty high on the Jazz this year. I have them finishing first in the regular season, so I think they're going to be an excellent um, regular season team. The big question marks for me are whether they... Come, uh, how, how well they do in the playoffs. So um, that's going to rely on a few things in particular. I think, firstly, Donovan Mitchell, can he get better? I guess his playmaking maybe is like one thing he can improve. Defensively, he could improve. So I'd like to see him take that step. And then also, I, I feel like they'll rest um, Conley a bit more this year. So that will allow Donovan to potentially take that step as well as a ball handler. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to see him enter that kind of like fringe MVP conversation because like he's definitely got the ability to. Um, and yeah, like as, yeah. as you said, in terms of his playmaking, I think he made he was getting better at like making reads out of those double teams because like the Clippers were just yep. doubling in the playoffs like every single possession essentially, and he was getting better at it. But yeah, once again, it's like partially it's him getting better at making those reads, and two, it's having that extra creator to like kind of alleviate that stress from him, which I think we like to think Conley is, but you know, it's tough. It's a tough job, James. Probably, I just think that they have tried to address their weakness or their inability to go small. Because last year, Gobert, I know that they, he hates this saying, but got played off the floor again when the Clippers decided to switch everything. He did, yeah. And I think getting, uh, which just seems to be a theme, but you can't trade Rudy Gobert because of that because he gives so much else otherwise. But I think getting Rudy Gay, sorry, not Rudy, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal who kind of give them options to play like like a minimal amount of small ball five. You're obviously not starting any of those guys at the five, but like in the minutes where they need to give go bear a rest or something's not working, it just gives you another option to throw out there, which they haven't traditionally had. I kind of had George's Niang like last year, but I, he's not as... I mean, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay is not, not some defensive god, but like at least Eric Pascal seems to be quite active on that. And so he could do a decent job at the five. But yeah, I think similar train of thought. Mitchell needs to sort of take another leap for them to be serious contenders because the Jazz are just kind of like a good team, but like, mm-hmm. like they're kind of the better Blazers. Like they're a good I, team at yeah. this point, but like, you know, they don't do any damage in the playoffs because you know what's going to happen. They're yeah, you, you you can't say them as like a legitimate title contender. No, I don't think. Not unless, scared of them. No, yeah, no. I'm not scared of them. 
But like no, you just you know they're gonna be a great team, but it's just in the playoffs, like yeah, they Rudy did get exposed by the Clippers. Um I'd like to see them find a fix for that. And I don't know if Eric Pascal is gonna be that player. I don't know either. Because like I was looking at potential small ball lineups for them and it's like who plays that five spot? And I've kind of settled on like Royce O'Neill. I feel like he'd <laughs> be like yeah, a and decent, even then that's, that's Yeah. So because it would be something along the lines of like Conley Mitchell and potentially Clarkson. As like two of those three, and then you've got Ingles, Bogdanovich, and Gay. So two of those three, and then like, I guess yeah, sorry, either Gay or Royce O'Neal or Pascal as your small ball five, in terms of like the actual rotation players. That's like that's who they've got. It's some mix of those guys, but yeah, like defensively, that's mm, yeah. No, and Whiteside's not touching the floor because he has the same weaknesses as um, Joe Bear without the positive. So yeah, yeah. Whiteside's like a regular season like for like replacement to give Joe Bear rest, and if they want to play the same way, like that's what he's there for. But yeah, in the playoffs, he's he should not be anywhere near the floor. That's the thing; they're built so one-dimensionally. They can't; they don't have the ability to change it up. And like you can, you saw that in the playoffs last year. Like I really do think they're another one of those teams. Like we've mentioned, um, Dallas and oh, sorry, I've forgotten who else we mentioned. But like a team that needs a secondary creator, like someone else who's like a reliable person other than Donovan Mitchell, who can like get buckets for himself and for others. Because like you know, for example, I love Joe Ingles, like you know, tremendous player, but he. Like, even in the Olympics, he did seem, seem like a little bit, like, a step slow from what we kind of expected of him, like, as Australians. You know, like, he is arguably, like, the second-best player on that team behind Paddy Mills, and we kind of needed him to score, like, around 10, 12 points a game or to, like, have, you know, more influence on the offense. And unfortunately, it felt like at times that he kind of just, like, was a bit anonymous. Uh, like, even in one of those, like, those like later medal stage, like, sorry, late-stage games, like, he hit, like, a bunch of threes and then would do nothing for, like, the next two quarters. And it'd be like, oh, my God, where's Joe Ingles gone? Like, we need you. Like, we need you to step up. But, yeah, like, and Conley as well. Like, I know he had, like, a, a fringe all-star performance last year. But it does, all, all, like, also feel like, you know, he's getting a bit older. And, like, I don't know how much more we can expect for him, like, on a consistent basis and in the playoffs as well. Like, I'd, I'd love to see him continue to play well. But it seems like at one at some point it's going to start dropping off. And I don't know if it's going to be this year. And I guess that moves us on to the Rudy Gobert conversation. Like, we've kind of alluded to it a little bit before, but, like, he's your, you know, arguably best or second best player. And if people are, like, actively targeting him on switches, like, looking, like, hunting him out on switches, like, that's just not a good sign whatsoever. Like, how can you move forward with that? Like, yeah, I, I, I know he looks great for France in the Olympics, but can we see that version of him in the NBA? Do, how How is he going to impose his will on offense a little bit more than I'm he sorry. Does? Yeah, but, like... He doesn't have any offensive package apart from catching yeah. lobs. It's kind of ridiculous at this point. Like, he's, like, the fucking tallest bloke and, like, <laughs> can't even post up. Like, I saw this with, like, so many tall blokes. It pisses me off. Like, Mo Bamba had, um, who were they playing in preseason? I don't know. He had someone really small on him. Like the and, Celtics? Yeah, he had Peyton Pritchard. I'm pretty sure it was Peyton Pritchard in the post and took a fading midi. Oh, no, I remember that play because didn't, like, RJ Hampton, like, slam it afterwards or something? Oh, I can't remember, but like I just distinctively remember that, and I was like, why don't why don't like like I'm not tall, but like if I was tall, I'm sure I'd use it to my advantage. Like just lay it yeah. over the top, you know. You're strong guy. Yeah, yeah, bully ball. Yeah. I also like, think in the Olympics too, like FIBA allows more physical play, and also the rules about three and the key are different, so that the yes. sort of favors bigs a bit more, and they can smack stuff off the ring. So like he can be a bit more dominant, but like the yeah. NBA favors guards and score as much more than it does bigs so he just yeah he, he 
for his strengths, he has such glaring weaknesses. And if you're a true, true contender, one of your, like, it's not a Ben Simmons situation, but one of your starting five can't be unplayable. But, like, you know? as the first or second best player, like, he doesn't have the, the second skill of, like, passing or no finishing. But, yeah, he, like, defensively, obviously, he's a beast. And when teams they play <laughs> shoot jump shots and not, like, go at the ring. Like, the Clippers are just, just swing, 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 attack a close out and then kick it out to a shooter. And they're, like, they're screwed because they're not even looking to go at the ring. They're just going to mm. shoot threes. And yeah. you can't even compete, compete with that because it's not like he can stretch the floor. So, yeah, they've got to they do something, really. And, like, they've tried their best with who was on the table, I think. But, like, Utah's also not a super free agent destination. And the free not, agent... Not at all. Is, not this season weren't great either. So, like, I think if if I could pick an ideal scenario for him, like if he could turn himself into this player, gets a lot of shout outs from us, but like a magic Dwight Howard, like someone who because like <laughs> he has he has that impact on the defensive end, which like not probably not as much as magic like prime magic no. Dwight did, but like in terms of that rim protection, that's there, there's that similarity. But if he could find a way to impose his will the way like Dwight did, it would change the game for them. But oh, you know, it's not going to happen because I don't reckon he's strong late. enough. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. He, as look, well. he looks almost weak sometimes for being that. Do you know what I mean? T Rex arms, man. You see the yeah, and then when he goes up, sometimes <laughs> it looks like he's really like trying hard to. Yeah. Like whereas Dwight would just rise up, and just yeah. it or, or turn it and just smash different, it. Different. So. Different levels of athleticism, uh, but uh, you know, if that could ever happen, I feel like that would be a game changer. But you know, that player to add. <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're staying away from the 2010 Dwight Howard players to add. Speaking of, let's move on to that. I've actually got a few trades to throw at you guys because going off the point I was saying before, like I'd love to see a better version of Mike Conley and like, you know, someone who can get buckets, relieve pressure. And, you know, the ideal person is Dame Lillard, but not going to happen. Trades. Okay. Who says no? Conley and Gobert for Darius Garland and Jarrett Allen. Just say no. Just say no, I think. Too. Oh, really? I thought I, I was going to say Cavs say no. Because they'll think... take them nowhere. I think it could. You can argue both ways, cause like I yeah. think they're too inexperienced. Cause Jazz want to win. And yeah, I think they're just too inexperienced. That's the only basis. I, I was going. Garland to. especially. Jazz, Jazz have to inject my, my logic here from the Jazz point of view, which is why I thought the Jazz would take it. Is like they need to inject some youth. Like Darius Garland is someone who's got that kind of high potential to be that like lead initiator, um, take that pressure off of Mitchell, and then Allen is just hopefully can evolve into a better version of what Gobert is. He's Probably never going to reach like the defensive height, but his offensive game can be so much more evolved than someone like Gobert. I'm just going to say, like, isn't what isn't that what Jordan Clarkson's there for to relieve the pressure? But like, is he really though? Well, he I think he does. Make, though. Okay, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't really. Play yeah. make, but he he, he yeah, gets okay, buckets. Okay, she didn't need to, but in the playoffs he he does. Mm-hmm. And also, like Clarkson as well is like probably 28 years old now, isn't he? I think. Yeah. It's like you want yeah. someone who's in line with the Mitchell time because I think, like, sorry, unfortunately, like for guys like Ingles, Bogdanovich, Conley, Gobert, like they're all out of like the Mitchell timeline, and that's what's important for the Jazz, ultimately. Because, like, like we've mentioned, like, this team as currently built is probably not going to win anything. If they didn't last year, when they were, like, looking like the prime Spurs... Like, and no real of, injuries. Yeah, like, and no real injuries. And, like, the Lakers got injured, the Nuggets were injured. Like Conley as, was half there, but still, like, they... Yeah. You know, like, they all around, won. the West was crumbling, and that was their chance, and they didn't take it. And like yeah, like Kawhi was out. They should have won that series once Kawhi went out. There was no excuse not to win that series. Mm-hmm. Another trade it would be once again Conley and Gobert for one of Brogdon and Levert plus Miles Turner. One of Brogdon or Levert, not both. Who says no? I actually like that. That's a good trade. 
also i'm gonna say here that i haven't actually put any of these on the trade machine so i don't know about like the money side okay. this is just yeah. like i've picked players and i thought this could be fun i think that's a cool i think that's a really cool um trade scenario time yeah you, you like um throwing brogdon in a lot of trade talks yeah, cause i just think he has he's a sneaky player right now who doesn't have super high value and is a very serviceable, uh, yeah. very like borderline all star player. Yeah, and the paces are on the edge of maybe falling apart a bit. Doing yeah. A yeah, fire sale if they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think he's like someone that you could definitely target, and he's just a good point guard. Yeah, uh, a little bit injury prone, but besides the point. Yeah, I think I turn Turner already gives them more offensive versatility versus Gobert, even though he's only really a jump shooter at this point. Um, but I still think that that could be a trade that the Jazz consider if they're hitting that wall again and because it just doesn't seem to be working okay next one i think uh, i know who says no here but go bear clarkson and picks for cat <laughs> wolves say no i reckon wolves definitely say no that's awesome for the jazz <laughs> yeah i was trying to think like who else can i add that actually has value besides mitchell but like no one really does because like i can't see minnesota wanting conley or like bogdanovich or I don't even know if they'd want Clarkson, but yeah, exactly. I, I just thought Clarkson's a bit younger, so yeah. maybe that has something for them, but like probably not either. Yeah, like that was just more because I wanted to see if Cat could be on the Jazz. That'd be fun. Uh, and my very last one: Conley and Gobert for De'Aaron Fox and one of Damian Jones or Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Jazz say no on that. Yeah, I probably lean, lean that way as well. I yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not as as nice as the other. I think the indie trade really works, to be honest. Yeah. And I can see both teams saying yes. I feel like there's even reasons for Kings to say no there. Like, I was if thinking... they just want to make playoffs to the sake of making playoffs, they might do it. But yeah. if they really believe in Fox, I don't think so. Yeah. I just think the, the the combination of Fox and Donovan's a bit iffy. I still prefer Conley over him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair enough as well. Yeah. No love for Damien Jones? Or Rashad Holmes? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like Rashad Holmes, but... Um, sorry, I've kind of skipped over your players to add. Who do you guys want to bring in? So, mine is just, for the small ball five, probably definitely unrealistic. Draymond Green, I reckon that'd be sick. Literally, like, the perf- I reckon that'd be the perfect small ball five for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ball moving, good. yeah. He'd, he'd need to be out of these shots, though, I think. I think he'd still get iced out and be open for threes and he'd have to hit them. It's more defensively he can cover on the perimeter. Yeah, he can switch. Yeah. yeah. I have another unrealistic one, especially he just got paid. Um, John Collins, because he can stretch the floor. Five bit of small ball five. Is a, like still a lob threat, but way more versatile on offense. And he's shown that he can be decent on defense. So mm-hmm. that would be more of a playoff add rather than regular season. I think they'd lose a few regular season games just by adding him, but playoffs would be much more unpredictable. Yeah, cool. Ceilings and basements. I have their ceiling as a high regular season finish, so, you know, second or third seed. But I'd see them going out in the second round, ultimately. Like, I can't see them getting past one of the Lakers, the Warriors, the Suns, even, like, the Nuggets in a playoff series. I don't think they beat any of those teams. And, like, in terms of their basement, I I can't see them falling below the sixth seed in the regular season and then just going out in the first round. Like, because they're still a very good team. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you there, Curtis. Yeah, um, pretty much the same. Got the ceiling as conference and then floor finishing late in the West. Yeah. So, because they'd be disappointed with that, but I could see it happening if they get injured. Okay, next up, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves, who I have as the 12th best team in the West, above the Oklahoma City Thunder. And above them is, 
the Sacramento Kings. But yeah, I think they'd have kind of finished 12th in the regular season as well. In terms of who they brought in, they brought in Patrick Beverly and Leandro Balmaro, who's their rookie, and they've lost Jarrett Culver. James, what do you think of the Timberwolves? I haven't finished in regular season at 12th as well, so on the same page with you. I think this team actually could surprise some people because I think Cat should finally be healthy and focused because, you know, he's had a rough couple of years health-wise and obviously family-wise. Uh, and that being said, though, I think the West is simply too deep for them to make like like an impact or, or climb the ladder unless Ant makes like a massive leap and becomes like an all-star level player this year and yeah. the team's defense as a whole like just improves but I like to tell you the truth haven't watched enough Wolves I know that like Jaden McDaniels is like someone who apparently sounds like he's up and coming ready mm-hmm. to contribute so I, I don't think it's a terrible roster I also think that I can see them winning games but I just think like the, the West is kind of ahead of them like and a lot of the other younger teams too have made I guess, more strides than they have. So, yeah, that's, that's where I stand on them at the moment. Joey? Um, yeah, I've got them 12th as well. I just don't see, like, how they could push into, like, up the standings because the West is so loaded. And yeah. it's kind of just, like, I don't know. It, it feels like they should be able to do that because, like, you have D'Lo, like, an all-star player. You have Cat, who's essentially... Is he, though? Like, well... Is he, though? He's, really? no. te- he's technically a... He yeah, was I, one. Okay, I, no, I, I love D'Lo Russell, a good point. I just don't like, think he's yeah. there anymore. Okay. He needs to lift. That's that's something I want to talk about a bit later, but yeah, sorry, go on. Just like the those top three, like, sh- shouldn't that be enough to be able to push for at least playing? Yeah, I think that's their ceiling for me. Like, we'll get to that as well, but... Yeah, okay. Um, like, for example, like, with Russell, like, when he was with the Lakers, like, everyone was comparing him to, like, um, being, like, a mini James Harden. But I think we've spoken about this off-air as well, but, like, he actually plays nothing like James Harden beyond the fact that he's left-handed. Yeah. Like, because... Harden gets to the hoop and shoots threes and is a really good passer. Russell's a good passer, not on Harden's level, but he doesn't get to the hoop at all. Like, as in he's a very poor finisher and, like, doesn't get to the line, which Harden does, like, at a, an all-time rate. And he doesn't shoot threes as well as Harden. Like, he's more of a mid-range shooter. He's, like, the anti-Harden, ultimately, like, beyond, like, the fact that they play similar positions and, like, are both 6'5", left-handed guards. And, like, Russell's defense is, unfortunately, just, like, horrendous. Like, he's a full, like, proper turn style. He doesn't fight over screens. He doesn't chase over screens at all. Yeah. And, like, I guess that gets back into something that I've been seeing mentioned a little bit, like, in the preseason. Like, the Timberwolves seem to have changed their, like, defensive scheme on pick and roll a little bit. Like, they've started to lift up Cat to, like, more the level of the screen. and Because they used to play a deep drop, I think, from what I was reading. And now, like, there's there's images of them, like, playing more where he's kind of hedging up a little bit higher. Not, not like, an aggressive hedge or anything, but, like, he's playing a little bit higher in the... On the screen, which is interesting because it's like Cat is a pretty mobile, like athletic center, and like I think um, as Joey mentioned like a couple episodes ago, like the problem with all these like I guess lower level teams is like their defense isn't good, and this team's defense is not good. Like Russell isn't a good defensive player. Like Edwards is still kind of like young and a bit like doesn't have the schemes down pat yet, but like Cat has the potential to be a very good defensive player and to be an anchor of a team, and like you know maybe this is one of the small moves and adjustments that they make towards kind of realizing that they're a pretty like boring team i'll be honest like mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't watched minnesota basketball consistently in like years just because they can't win and Cat yeah. hasn't been playing like and he's the yeah. only reason i thing. personally like, can they sort their shit out yeah like ants ants seems really fun but like you know he has a highlight and then you look at the score and they're down like 20 points like it's yeah. just Another thing I wanted to mention was them, because they fired their GM um, or president, I'm not sure what his actual title was, but Gershon Roses. They fired him, like, a few weeks ago. And, like, by all accounts, that was an incredibly strange move to make because, 
like if we look at the facts right like he has a pretty good relationship with cat from what you can tell because like cat immediately tweeted out like what the hell like what was that for and you know in terms of his league rep like rose has had like a pretty good reputation in terms of like a very sound decision maker a good people person like a very good executive overall and he only spent two years in the job like he got the job after tibbs like left as like his tibbs had that double like president slash coach role for a little bit and then like you know jimmy butler left then tibbs left the year after and like really like on paper Rosas hasn't made any like egregious mistakes like he traded for russell but that's because cat wanted russell and like wiggins like they lost wiggins in that but like they were gonna like wiggins it's wiggins like yeah mm. like he hasn't done anything that bad and it seems to be like why do you fire an executive who's like not doing anything egregiously wrong and has it like and i think most importantly beyond all that if like so there could be something that i missed that he did quite poorly but like he has a good relationship with cat and like that matters like, like we, we see this stuff with, like, with Zion, with Ben Simmons. Like, if that guy gets upset and he doesn't trust the direction of the team, like, he's going to want to leave. And Cat, like, originally, like, by now he has more than enough reason to have, like, asked for a trade. There's been too much shit that's gone on, with, like, with the Timberwolves. But, like, the fact that he had a good relationship with his, his front office leader and then just letting him go just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Okay. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but, yeah. That's fair point. I wonder if they wanted him to, like... Like he was being non-active with trying to get trades, or or they, or he was about to make a trade and they didn't want him to do. Because like I know they're trying to push for Simmons a little bit, and I wonder yeah. if it has something to do with the behind the scenes of that. So it sounded like also like there was other, other internal non-basketball related stuff going on that might have got rid of him for. So yeah, okay. No, I haven't I haven't heard about that, but that yeah. I mean, once again, like obviously I don't know all the facts. This is just what I've from from what I've been able to read. It doesn't make as much sense as like you know, I, it's just very puzzling to me. But, you know, obviously there could be a lot more that's going on that I'm not aware of, mm. uh, which is then, once again, fair enough. Um, Anthony Edwards. What do you guys think of him? Because I think, like, yeah, exactly. Like you said, you said, James, like we need to see a big lift from him. Because I think after, like, because early on, he had, like, an incredibly high usage rate. It was a bit crazy. Um, but he, I like, think, improved after the All-Star break. Yeah, post-All-Star, he was actually, like, a really good player. Found his feet, definitely. Yeah. I think he can, I think he'll, he'll be able to take that leap as being, like, a solid scorer. Yeah, so I think with him, it's like he just needs to continue to get downhill versus settling for jumpers. Because like I think that was a big thing with him early on was like he would just settle for for long jumpers, and he's not efficient jump shooter at this point in time. And like he's a bulldozer, like he's just built physically. He's just different to everyone else on the floor, and he has hops, and he can just get to the hoop whenever he wants. So he should just continue to get to the rim and get to the line, and that'll be a huge for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm share the same mindset. I think if cats who we think he is, and he returns to back, you know, pre-injury form. And then also D'Lo stays the same. I think the difference maker is going to be Ant, and he needs to sort of hit that next gear and build on what he learnt last year. So hopefully he's focused on some things in the offseason and brings a new uh, version of himself. All right, players to add. What do you reckon, James? I've got here that they need, kind of touched, touched on this earlier, and again, not realistic, but they need someone like, like Chris Paul or, or Lowry to sort of come in like set the set the tone, be a floor general, bit of a culture setter. They've got Pat Bev, not really point guard and a veteran, but not really on the same level or influence of those guys. And I think that, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking with that. Maybe he'll he's the idea is to get for him to come in and get them fired up on defense. But yeah, I think they could really benefit from a floor general, culture setter type player. Joey, uh, my player to add isn't actually a player. He's um he's an executive, Messiah Jury. <laughs> hands off <laughs> you know, that man knows how to win with what he has and find you know diamonds in the rough and i i, I haven't seen a, 
can't remember the last time the, the Timberwolves have actually developed a young player or found someone who they've held on to to become a contributor to their team. It's a good point, actually. Like, they've always just been, like, top like, picks. Like, apart from their top picks, like, what lower picks have they had that have actually been good? I mean, I guess Josh Okoji and, like, Nas Reed are okay. But, yeah. Yeah. I No, I agree with you there. They need to get a bit better at, like, finding diamonds in the rough. Yeah, because free agents aren't coming, so... Nah, nah, unfortunately. It's too cold up there. Players to add. For me, I wanted a two-way impact wing. I think we kind of had that before as well. But, like, for example, I've just got a bunch of names like Mikael Bridges, Jeremy Grant, OG, and ironically, i put here Jimmy Butler because I think, <laughs> you know, it's, it's exactly kind of who they want. It's the same as, like, with Philly. Like, that's who they kind of need, but it just didn't work out because their culture's not quite there. And I've got one last one, Brandon Ingram, who doesn't help defensively, but, you know, he'd be a, a cool fit, I think. Ceiling and basement, I think for their ceiling, I think they could sneak into the play-in. I don't know whether they'd win that game or not, but they can sneak in and the basement is as a lottery team. Joey? Yeah, ceiling, same as you, Curtis. Basement is, yeah, lottery team, 14th maybe. Uh, At what point do you reckon Cat would want to leave the Timberwolves? I just have to see how many more years on his contract he has left. I think there's still quite a few. But, like, if this year is horrendous, I think he's, like, within his rights to start asking him that question. He's wilting away. Like, I mean, his talent is just being wasted. Yeah. Like, he's, like, 25 just, already, isn't he? The Timberwolves just frustrate me so much in so yeah. many aspects. Anyway. It's like, not everyone can be a good winning team. Not everyone can win a title. There's only one every year. But, like, they're just not even competitive. Can't just not improve. Yeah. yeah like, at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm echoing that as well. I've got their ceiling would be sneaking to the plane. Floor be sort of another disappointing finish. 13th to 15th seed. Okay, the Denver Nuggets. I have them as the fourth best team in the West, and I think they'll also finish around that fourth seed in the regular season. They brought in Jeff Green, and they drafted Bones Highland, and they've lost Paul Millsap and JaVale McGee. James, what are your thoughts on the Nuggets? I love this team, and I think that last year they would have gone to the finals if Murray didn't get injured. Big call, but I just think that their starting five works so well together, and I think that the front office this offseason, how they've paid... Um, Gordon and Porter Jr. like sort of shows that they believe in the core as well. I, but that being said, I think that the Murray injury is significant. Um, given that he'll miss a lot of time, I've got them at the fourth seed to finish in, in the West uh, in the regular season because you know even if even when Murray cut, does come back, it's a significant amount of time that he's missed, and also here he's coming back rehabbing, not coming back having an off season of improvement. So. You know, at that point, you're just hoping he comes back and delivers the same amount of impact that he had. So I think, yeah, I'm pretty high on them still, but I think they're going to not try as hard as the last two seasons just because Murray's such a significant contributor. Yeah, I think they're one of the most interesting teams. I also have them finishing fourth in the regular season, and I do think, I still think they're the fourth best team in the West. I mean, end of the day, they still have Jokic, and he's an MVP who can play alongside like any type of player and makes the team better. So I don't think they struggle at all during regular season still. Speaking of, like, getting shooters open, they've got uh, Michael Porter Jr., and I think he takes, like, a huge leap this year. I think he'll be one of the breakout candidates for most improved. And I think they can hold down the fort until Murray comes back. I think he should be back. It's meant to be by the end of the season, or...? Yeah, it should be sometime mid-season. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Because he tore his ACL before the playoffs started. Yeah, and, yeah, so I think they should be taken seriously, I think. Definitely. Yeah. 
it's just like on on paper currently like they're not better than the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Suns, and like in terms in terms of like in the playoff picture. I think they're better than the Suns when they're healthy, to be honest. Really? Oh, so yeah. no, no, as in without without Murray right now. Oh no, without Murray, nah. With, with Murray, I think it's a, a debate to be had. No, with, but, without yeah. Murray, yeah. Like if playoffs started right now, like. Yeah. yeah. I guess the question for you guys I've got here is like, how can Jokic get better? It's a bit silly to say it because he just won the MVP, but like, there's ways that he can get better. I think because like, for example, I think as a shooter, if he can reach, he's like around that like 37% from three. If he hits like forty percent, like that's terrifying. Mm. Like that is generally That'd like be crazy. I mean, yeah. I just like yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to see his um defense improve mm-hmm. because like he does get exposed sometimes by those like elite centers. I don't know if that's actually possible for him. It's pretty yeah. I think slow, he's slow on his feet. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has quick hands though. Yeah, I, I think, think he does yeah. what he can. Yeah. Um, like he's good at swiping the ball away and like I mean given his you know athletic ability like he moves reasonably well I mean does um, he need to get better though do you reckon like yeah well why not that, that, I guess that's more the question like because I mean I wouldn't can... complain if he stayed like this for the rest of his career like or in the rest of his prime but like I think yeah. there's ways for him to get better and uh, I don't know I guess this is more larger yeah. discussion of like I think he like okay. I guess what's to stop him from getting better you yeah, look to, to Porter Jr. and, I guess, even Gordon to I was get better say, before I think Jokic gets better, kind of. I think, like, it's on them now to yes. step up. Yeah, yeah I no, so I think to... it's on them, but I also think it would be sick if he got better. I think he can. Because okay. it's, it's like, for example, like, Giannis just won finals MVP and won a title. But it's like, oh, there's clear ways in which he can get better. And I think there's also clear ways in which Jokic can get better as well. Such as the shooting? Yeah, such as the shooting. And, like, defensively, if he can improve there as well. Okay. I just think for the Nuggets to get better, it, it's more based on, like, the rest of the roster. No, no, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. no, I see, yeah, both sides is fine, yeah. Because yeah. I think, yeah. I think too, like, this team, if you ask every one of them there, and every team will say this, but, like, they genuinely, if everyone's healthy, can actually compete for a title. So I think, mm. I like, I know people say, oh, I don't care about, like, you know, singular accolades, but I genuinely think they don't care. Like, they, this team really, really wants to win. So I think that, it's on the others to get better a little bit now. Like, if Jokic can get better, that's great. But like, I think that they need lift from everyone else. Because, you know, if you're going to win the t- title, you've got to have everyone step up. So, yeah. I have a question for you guys, actually, on this. Mm-hmm. So, hypothetically, Michael Porter Jr. has a huge huge year, breaks out, you know, takes a really big lead. He's, you know, he's, a, he's a very dynamic three-level scorer. Like, he just brings that to another, another level. Averages, like, 25 a game. He's incredibly locked in on the defensive end. All right? And then Jamal Murray comes back. Does he give up the reins? Because I really don't think he does. Because I, I think he's the kind of guy with like that not not that it's necessarily a problem, but like he's got that mindset and that ego where it's like once I'm the guy, like I'm the guy. Yeah, like he's coming to be the best guy on the on a championship team. And does that hurt? Um, so if Murray comes back and um, wants the ball again, which like arguably he deserves it, like what happens? Mm. I watched a um interview with Michael Porter Jr. and I think it was shit, I can't remember. I think it was JJ that was interviewing him. On, on JJ's pod, podcast, and he brought up, like, oh, when Jamal comes back, do you want to be that, like, third option kind of thing? Like, he, he kind of said, he kind of inadvertently asked him, indirectly asked him, like, are you that third guy? And, like, obviously in MPJ's mind, like, he's at least the third guy. So I think he actually, I, I agree, like, his ego would probably, if he became that second second scoring or like sorry not not the second scoring option but like if he became that 25 point per game player like i don't i think it would be very hard for him to give it up i don't know i think like i think they take different shots 
Like, I think Murray, I know that they take, the volume threes is a big thing with both of them, but I think that they'd, they'd find a way to figure it out, especially Murray and Jokic being on this team for so long. I don't think that if the team's rolling and Murray comes back and he's still at a good level, they suddenly implode because Porter Jr. is not getting his touches. I think they'll figure it out. Like, he he's not the most important guy in the locker room. Jokic is. And I, even though Jokic seems to be a quiet guy, I'm sure he'd tell him, like, look, mate, we want to win. You've got to, you know, take back the role or at least not be on the ball as much because they do take different shots like Jokic and Murray do a lot of handoffs and sort of above the break threes and Porter Jr. is a lot of like spot ups and catch and shoot so I don't know but I, I think the idea is here that like given the need of them needing to have a secondary scorer that he won't be spending his year taking spot up threes he'll be taking isos he'll be you know going off the dribble and you'll have the ball in his hands more which is, I, I expect that of him this year I think that I think that they'll they're, they're good enough that they'll figure it out. Like if if that means that Murray now becomes a bit more spot up and Porter Jr. operates in the mid range more and you know creates a bit more, they'll figure it out. Like I I, I don't doubt that. Because I, I I agree that I think Jokic and Murray are, are bought in that way and have that mindset. And I'm not to say that Porter Jr.'s mindset is wrong or anything, but I just think he's the kind of person that once he gets this reign, he's not going to want to give it up. Yeah, I, I yeah, you, you're not wrong. I just think that's part of his personality, which, like, you know, for good or bad, it's got him this far, so, like, there's clearly some good to it. All right, so I guess the next thing to talk about is, like, the point guard situation while Murray's out. So it's kind of going to be, like, I guess, uh, Monte Morrison, um, Compazzo. And I think from what we've seen in preseason so far and what was, you know, the case in the regular season and the playoffs as well, like, Monte Morris is probably going to be the starter and is going to come off the bench. Um, but, like, you know, kind of where I sit on them is, like, you know, neither of them are going to come in and, bring out like a 10 out of 10 performance like they're not going to be like world beaters on even at their best i think but what they will do is like they'll consistently give you like a six out of 10 performance like every day every game like they're very consistent at doing like 10 points five assists three assists four assists Mm. and like decent efficiency and like maybe compass i guess a a few steals as well but yeah that's where i kind of stand on them they just but i i think they just need to be very efficient jump shooters around Jokic and facilitate their part of the offense what do you guys reckon um, yeah, I like I, I like the Monte Morris starting Facundo coming off the bench because especially when Jokic is out of the game, Facundo can become that playmaker and potentially carry the second unit. I, I, his shot's not reliable, but yeah. What do you reckon, James? Yeah, he creates a bit more, I think, than Morris. And Morris seemed to fit well with the others and can re- relocate a bit off the ball and in the, the bits that I saw in the playoffs. I think that that works the best. I think Campazzo is definitely much more of a born playmaker and mm. really looks to push the pace and get others open before taking the shot. And he's not a bad shooter, but... It's not a great one. Yeah, it doesn't space the floor as much as you want with the starters. And he's a pest in terms of <laughs> he's just an annoying player. Yeah. Like, when they played against Australia, he was just so annoying. <laughs> My final, I guess, question for you guys is, who is their backup big? Because, right, so this is like their hypothetical lineup without Murray for the time being. So Morris or Campazzo starting, Will Barton, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. Now mm. off the bench, you have one of Campazzo or Morris, Austin Rivers. And then here, you've got three forwards. You have PJ Dozier, Jermichael Green, and Jeff Green. So, like, here, I've kind of got Jeff Green. Is like becomes, he becomes the small ball five because they don't really have a backup center. No, they don't. Because they lost JaVale. Like, they're on the roster. They've got... Wait, do they still have Jermichael Green? Yeah, they do, but he's, like, a four. Okay, well, okay. So, like, one of him or Jeff Green could play small ball five, I think. Um, yeah. Like, are we unleashing ball ball? Oh, forgot about him. They seem to like, not really want to play him. It's I, so I don't annoying. Know if they they reckon he's like because obviously Denver want to win every game, 
But it seems like he's not giving enough time to develop. But also, is that maybe because they don't think he's, you know, good enough? They haven't seen enough from him in behind the scenes that they think he's ready? I would lean towards that, yeah. Yeah. Because you'd think if he's ready to go, you'd just unleash him for those bench minutes anyway during the regular season. Like, why not? You've got nothing to lose, really. I mean, I hope, I hope they give him more minutes, just because I think the idea of Bol Bol is really exciting. But he, in the flashes he's played, he hasn't really shown us that he can be competent for, like, long periods of time. Yeah. Like, the only other centre they've got on the roster is Tariq Black, which I think Joey will also remember Tariq Black when he played for the Lakers. But, like, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a decent player, but he's not. Like, JaVale's probably a, not probably, he's a better option. And like yeah, there's a bit of a out. hole at our yeah. center. Yeah. Um, which is just like the one thing I saw. And funny enough, we'll, we'll move on to our players to add, but my player to add wasn't actually a center, which probably should have been. That would be for me. No. Do you want to go first, James? Yeah. So I actually think that, I guess, to upgrade over Compazzo, I think that if everyone's healthy, I think that the thing that they could actually really benefit from is someone like Derek Rose off the bench as a bit of a spark plug mm. playmaker. Bit of playmaking, bit of scoring. Because I think the Nuggets seem to kind of struggle big time when their starters hit the bench. In particular, you know, like it was Will Barton at a point that was carrying them, but he's really trailed off. So I think they just needed a spark plug microwave score off the bench. That could be Rose, even though he provides a little bit of playmaking as well. Uh, He was good for New York last year. So, yeah. Joey? Um, Yeah, so mine's on the centre side of things because we touched on the backup centre. So I've gone probably unrealistic. Miles Turner can guard the bigs, the dynamic bigs, can stretch the floor a little bit. And, yeah, I think if Indy blow it up, he could def- he'll could he probably be on the move. He's getting a lot of love, this podcast. Miles Turner. <laughs> My one, yeah, probably should actually go in the centre in hindsight. But um, I actually wanted to improve their shooting guard position because, like, as much as I love Will Barton, I think he's better off the bench as, like, a spark plug microwave kind of guy. And, you know, my unrealistic option is Zach Levine because I think that would just be great to have, you know, so much fun. Murray, Levine, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. Like, that's a killer five. <laughs> but then I realized they don't need more scoring at all. They've got plenty in Murray, Porter, and Jokic, and even Gordon as well, in a sense. So I want a more defensive option. I want Lou Dort or Matisse Thibel on that team. So you'd end up with Murray, either Dort or Thibel, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. And I think that is, once again, just an absolutely insane yeah, uh, like that. set of five. Yeah, good choice. We'll move on to ceiling and basement. Ceiling, I have them as the second seed, and they could reach the NBA Finals if Murray returns in time and gets into a rhythm. Otherwise, I see them as like a Western Conference finalist. But yeah, as, as their basement, like I don't see them anywhere below the seven seed. Like for example, like you'd have LA, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, Portland, and Phoenix all above them. That's six teams, and like they're like that's the worst they could fall. I think really, like there's no one that could really upset them beyond that. Like barring like major injuries and stuff. But yeah, yeah. what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you once again, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm the same. Final ceiling, out first round is four. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up our Northwest preview. As always, thank you guys. It's been lots of fun. Appreciate it. Always good. Yeah, good fun. And as always, thank you very much to our listeners for tuning into episode 10, a milestone episode of the Up and Down Under podcast. Please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening from. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to our feed and recommend our podcast to your friends. Um, and also, if you know you want to get involved in the Trevor Rees game, please hit us up. And if you have any other suggestions or thoughts, that kind of thing, feel free to get in contact with us, whether that's through our email, which is the up and down under pod at gmail.com or our DMs on Twitter, Instagram, etc. And yeah, join us next time. <laughs>